James with his new album, No Words, available on iTunes, Spotify. Adam, it was a couple of years ago, participated and went through our 200-hour yoga training as well as deepening your practice. And I had a lovely, lovely time with Adam, who then moved away from New Orleans. And I believe he was uh, recently, until recently at least, living in Los Angeles, California. Adam just recently sent me his record and a lovely note. We should definitely have him on the podcast at some point. But I wanted to share his music offerings with you because it's just so amazing and uh, high vibrational and beautiful. He's always been a beautiful singer and songwriter and musician all around. Um, what I am going to do is include another song of Adam at the outro towards the end. And I'll leave the whole song so that you can truly enjoy it. So anyways, I invite you to check out No Words by Adam James. Um, today, this podcast is brought to you by Little Leaf Pottery with uh, Vincent Templant. And uh, as I speak to you, I'm getting ready to leave my home pretty soon, I'm sitting outside now, and it's a beautiful day, for the art show that we're hosting at Shanti Yoga Shala with Vincent and Little Leaf um, Pottery. So I'm super excited about that. We also have a tea ceremony going on at 3, from 3 to 4 p.m., which Vincent created all of the tea bowls for everyone participating this is the pre-party, which is sold out and has been now for a few days. Um, after that, it's an open house. Once you hear this episode today, it will have already passed. But I'm just sharing my day with you. In, and hopefully, you know, we're, we'll continue having a lot of events. We always do. We always have. And if you are around the area or happen to visit, hit us up. A great way to do that is to join our Facebook group page, Life on Earth Podcast. Send me a friend request. I'll uh, accept you and we will communicate through that. You can also let me know if you have any ideas for, um, for some episodes and for themes or anything you like to talk about, including guests for our show. 
So, today's podcast is also brought to you by Shanti Yoga Shala. That is our yoga studio in New Orleans. It's an amazing spot. We have every week, we have, I call it yoga and healing center. We offer yoga nidra. We offer uh, restorative yoga, meditations, and vinyasa classes. It's a beautiful, gorgeous um, house, Victorian, historic in at the lower garden district in new orleans i feel very blessed we have a gorgeous porch foremost we have an incredible beautiful community which literally they are family i always say that because it really i really mean it it's um we're super tight and everyone is very welcoming and everyone is very creative doing beautiful things on the planet and want to better the planet so something that i feel very proud to be a part of that community With that said, we also have a yoga teacher training, which I am leading with many and various other guest teachers this fall of 2018, and it is beginning at the mid of September. If you mention this podcast episode, I will offer you $100 bonus towards the training. Uh, The training comes with an online platform. The training comes with a lot of individual attention. Again, um, you enter our training and deepening your practice community, which everyone has a lot going on all the time. It's a time in your life to look at yourself and to ask questions of inquiry, of interest, so that you can transcend and you can transform and live your most authentic and happiest life. And not only that, but I always share it with the planet. So one thing that I like to remind people, um, if you do practice meditation or you know, any kind of, um, you know, if you're taking time to better your life and yourself, is you're not only doing it for yourself, it is never selfish to take that time to go to a class or to meet a group to do uh, uh, any practice that is devotional because you are doing it for yourself. In fact, it's quite selfless because the more you take care of yourself, the better you can show up and take care of others, right? I think you guys know that. Anyways, I got to get going here, but who is today's podcast? Our special guest is Andrew Gordon. Back in June, I was in Telluride, Colorado. I was invited to be a presenter at Eka Fest, which was amazing. Um, EcaFest was developed by Adriana, and she invited me to come. I met amazing women at this um this uh gathering and many of them were yoga teachers or teacher trainers or studio owners and uh, we skype uh, adriana skyped andrew in to the festival for him to do a presentation on podcasting so who is andrew gordon andrew gordon is the creator of yoga talk pod He has his own podcast, and I invite you to check it out. It's quite cool, and I have been a guest on his podcast. Not long ago, we had an amazing conversation. He even has part one and part two, and I really like that conversation I had with Andrew because we went back to what I used to, which was a big part of my life way back when I was a model, and I was a professional dancer for a while, and I traveled a lot. I lived in Paris, so we went into some pretty neat uh, phases of my life. Uh, anyway, so 
I am excited for you to meet Andrew. He's also an avid yogi. He has owned his own studio. He was a teacher trainer. He was is a yoga teacher. Also a radio host for many, many years. Radio. Uh, he has this really amazing background with radio, had his own morning show. So we'll get into all this during the episode today. But we're also going to get into some of the challenges that Andrew had along the way. And how, were, how did he overcome those challenges? So Andrew also has a company that produces podcasts, including most recently he just took us on, Life on Earth podcast. So if you are a person that you would like to have a podcast or you have a podcast and you'd like somebody to do some amazing sound engineering and edit and all this, I invite you to check out his company. Um, podcast panacea and you can then you know reach out to andrew we will include his information on uh all his social media and information on so- show notes and you can definitely he can definitely help you out with that so ladies and gentlemen i invite you to uh enjoy this podcast enjoy adam i know there's a lot going on adam's music towards the end stay with it i definitely want you to listen to him he's amazing if you like life on earth and if this is adding anything to your life please consider donating and and becoming a patron of the show you can go to nataliecrapatreon.com and i will i have so many exclusive things that i will be doing for our patreon members also, I really would love if you go on iTunes, subscribe to the show, and not only that, but leave us an amazing review so that we can then, with your support and your beloved energy, we can continue creating more high vibrational content for our show. So also do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'd love to listen to you and love to hear what you have to say any ideas suggestions and really just also kind of get to know everyone who's out there Uh, the last time i checked on um, our platform we had people literally from all over the planet from south america central america europe africa and you know just everywhere so it's pretty cool and i'm excited and so Welcome, and here we go. Without further ado, Andrew Gordon. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sharing your energy on the podcast. I am super honored that you are my guest today. Oh, you are super sweet for saying that. I mean, who knows what could happen in the next hour or so, (laughs) uh, you know? It could all go downhill from here. (laughs) 
Well, um, I also want to continue as a conversation that we recently had for your amazing podcast that I was a guest on your show. And that was so such a great experience. I really enjoyed that episode. So I'm going to invite all of the listeners to uh, definitely tune into that. But we'll dive into that more because I have questions about so many things with you. I How are you wait. today? You know, Natalie, I, I, I'm good. And I'm so excited. First, let me just say thank you for saying that about the show, Yoga Talk Pod. And you were a great guest. You were very giving mm-hmm. with your story and stories. And that, you know, I know that we have not been in contact about what this interview is going to be about. And I love that because I'll answer anything you throw at me. And I'm so excited to be on the other end. I know it's rare that I get to be the guest. So I, it's, yeah. it's an honor to be on your show. And I do enjoy the guests and the variety of people that you talk to on your show. It's very interesting. Thank you. Well, again, I also, I think the listeners of Life on Earth, I think you all listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation today because every time that I speak with you, it's really a pleasure. So Andrew is the host of Yoga Pod Talk. Yoga, yoga Talk Pod. I'm sorry. I don't mean to correct you. Yoga Pod, Yoga Pod, Yoga Talk Pod. Sorry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very simple, but iTunes likes simple names, apparently. So we, we uh, changed it from the Yoga, yoga Zoo Podcast to Yoga Talk Pod. Yoga Talk Pod. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love your logo. It, it mm. seems to me it's almost like when I look at it, I'm like, wow, th- is this a sun? Because it looks like it's kind of a sun coming at me, but I don't know. But it, that's just, I love it. I love the yellow and the red. It's ketchup and mustard, as my wife would say. And, uh, you know, Natalie, we changed it from the really creatively refreshing and invigorating experience we had with the real logo from the Yoga Muzu podcast, which is the company we have, Yoga Muzu. But we realized that iTunes like simplicity. And when you're scrolling through thousands of, of different logos, you want something that is so easy to, to just look at and it stands out. And you, and, and you also don't, want to have to figure out what it's about it looks like a yield and stop sign that just says in yellow and red yoga talk pot okay yeah i think i know what that's about that's yeah what I think, that's what you're going for i think it's very clever so Thank you. um tell us a little bit about your podcast sure it started because someone had asked me to be a guest uh my friend tony baker who's now my friend i didn't know him at the time but someone reached out for me to be on their yogi po- yoga podcast and he has the yogi tones podcast he's out in san diego and he contacted me because i owned yoga studios called yoga muzu which was the name of the podcast and uh i love being on his show he he, he's like you like everyone that i i've been on their show they've just been chill and like really just cool people and that's what i like about him and i had such a good time i said you know tony it's it's crazy because I have not been on the air or cracked the microphone in like probably four or five years because I did radio for 10 years before that. But I never knew really anything about podcasting. I, I didn't listen to any podcasts. Not not because I thought they were bad. I just, it just didn't, I don't know. <laughs> I just didn't do it. And then I was on his podcast and I said, you know, I had so much fun. I still have all the software because I like to make music and sound things and, and just have fun editing. And I was like, do you want me to help you with your show just for fun? So he's like, yeah. So I did it and we started collaborating. And then like a month later, I said, I think I'm going to start my own podcast because I really enjoy it. And that's how the the podcast came about, which originally was the Yoga Muzu podcast. And then for season two, we changed from some wise counsel uh, to change the name and, and make it more 
iTunes friendly or SEO friendly, I suppose. I got it. And one thing that's really interesting I find about you is all your background with uh, radio and you were part of a radio morning show, correct? Yes, that is correct. That's cool, right? Because it almost kind of merges everything together. Yeah. I mean, you know, having the radio background and coming into the podcast world is, it's really uh, invigorating for me because my undergrad was for media and I ended up out of all the avenues of media at the time, it could have been television, production, film, whatever. So I ended up gravitating towards radio and I always loved how instantaneous radio was. And you got to remember, this was like in 1998 to 2000 was when I did the end of my undergrad at Hofstra, who has a great communications program. And digital editing was just starting in terms of video and the Avid program was popular then. And we had to produce like a three minute music video and we shot it live in the studio with three cameras and I had to technically direct it. And I chose to use Kurt Cobain and Courtney and the baby and the song by the verb, the drugs don't work. And I got, and, and I literally had to get a Rolling Stone magazine, cut out pictures and put them on like mat board and the three camera people had to change the pictures and I would technically direct. And I was like, geez, wow, this is a lot of work. I had to make scripts with timestamps for everyone. I said all this for three minutes, but it turned out to be, you know, a really great project. And my professor was tough. Like everyone was scared of this guy. And he was tough to, to bring the best out of us. And I remember after the video, he, people had tears and he was, he, he told everyone to give me a standing ovation. I was like, of course I was embarrassed actually, but I didn't know at that time really that I had any creativity in me as far as that went or that I could do anything communications wise. I, I, I didn't do that really in high school. I just smoked a lot of weed in high school. So, <laughs> you know, so that I could get some validation with that felt good, but I knew that I did not want to be in a production side at that time, at least in video and film, because it was so much work for such a limited amount. So when I jumped on to the college radio station, I was like, wow, if I have an idea, the next time I crack the mic, I could just go on and do it and open it. You know what I mean? It was like, I love that immediate immediacy of it all and how things could just shift by someone calling up and changing or a breaking uh, news story, depending you know, uh, what we were talking about. Um, if you had an idea, you throw it out there and that's it. And I, I always oh, yeah. love that. How was it being on a morning talk show? Well, that's like, when you're, yeah. So when you're in radio, that's, that's the pinnacle. That's like being the cleanup hitter in baseball, you know, like, or the, the, the starting pitcher, you know, you know, you start out as a DJ. So when I first started out, I was like on the overnights and then I worked my way up to full-time where I could actually be the nighttime host from like, you know, uh, seven to midnight. And then eventually the two best times to be on the air are the drive time. So you have morning and afternoon and ultimately in the morning, you can talk more, even if it's a top 40, you could talk more and rock stations or talk stations, your length that you're allowed to talk can be a lot more, but at least on top 40, you're talking about seven seconds talking about Britney Spears song. Now you have like five to seven minutes, four times an hour. That's like, the promised land you know what I mean so <laughs> so by the time I got to that they had hired me a station I was working uh, nighttime at a station in Lafayette Louisiana and I got clued into a morning show opportunity which was right this is now this is crazy so mm -hmm. the station I was on in Lafayette Louisiana was the frequency 94.5 okay the station that I got the morning show job on 
was in Shreveport, Louisiana, three hours or four hours north, 94.5. <laughs> Both top 40 stations. Wow. Yeah, and they hired me by myself. So for like the first, I think, six months, I did the morning show by myself, which is tough. Like if you're doing a morning show by yourself, you, you really, you got to prep and you have to really own it, you know, mm -hmm. because a lot of pressure on you. And it's live, right? It's live. Yeah, it's live. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the feeling of being live. Like it, some people get scared, but I, I love it. Like You it, love it? Oh, it exhilarates me. Exhilarates we should do me. like a live podcasting too. That I would love to do it. And um, what ended up happening is this guy who is still one of my friends to this day, Sean Dion, he was a stand-up comedian up and down the East Coast. He went to Emerson University in, in Boston, which is a great communications college. He studied theater and he's a brilliant actor, and he was a successful comedian, and he had worked in radio as like a producer and a co-host in like major markets, like Z100 New York, and in Chicago, and in Philadelphia, and the reason he was in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I got the morning show, was his wife's parents got sick, so he was kicking around like this gem of a, of a talented individual, happened to be kicking around the cluster of station, which was owned by Clear Channel that I work for, which is now iHeart, he would hang out on my show from like, they would pay him to be there from seven to nine because they're like, here, he used to produce morning shows, so he'll, he'll come on with you. So, well, I f we realized like we really like each other. And like half of the time, like we would have funny things happen on the air, but then like off the air, the show would continue. Like we'd be like making each other laugh. And I was like, after the first ratings came out, we killed it. And I, I told my bosses, I said, you have to hire him full time. Like, do you realize what, what this is like what this could be like he because he would leave like we'd be riffing and rolling and the show would be six to ten but at nine o'clock he's like all right i gotta go because he wouldn't get paid past nine so i was like that's gotta stop you know what i mean yeah so pay the guy you know they ended up hiring full time to their credit and we had a a nice two-year run the mayor of Shreveport dedicated a day to us, which is hilarious in my mind, you know, just thinking that two goofballs actually got a day <laughs> proclaimed <laughs> for them, you know, which means nothing in the whole scheme of things. That is so cool. But, you know, it, we were big fish in a small pond and mm -hmm. I ended up leaving the industry because we were getting interest. Like we were, we were pretty good, you know, and we were getting interest from, when we would send our demos to like Los Angeles and New York and Philly and Chicago. And they were like, we like you guys, but you need like one more stop before we could hire you. And at that time, one more stop meant going to like maybe a Nashville or a Memphis, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the problem was those markets, which used to have local morning shows, they were all being syndicated from the major markets. So it's like, there was nowhere for us to go. And I just decided that, well, he's there because his wife's, parents were sick and he's going to stay there. Me, I'm all alone. I've been bouncing around all alone, you know, a girlfriend here and there, but basically bouncing around from market to market. And I had just turned 30. I said, you know what? I really think it's time to, to go home and maybe get more education. And I remember my sister-in-law just had uh, my, my nephew was like the first time I was an uncle. I, it was still a lot of things hit at once. And mm -hmm. I, I left the industry, which, you know, I kind of saw the consolidation and what was going on with it. And I, I don't regret that decision because um, radio is kind of, you know, it's pretty much. Well, and so <laughs> I feel like a lot of things now have merged into podcasting. A lot of really great people on air now have amazing podcasts. And yes. I mean, I, even before I had Life on Earth, 
I, that was my favorite medium in, of all from television and everything would be just to tune into podcasting. So fast forwarding now and all these podcasts everywhere, well, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the world of podcasting? What is your favorite thing about the world of podcasting? Well, okay, so I have to specify, are you asking- yeah about me personally and how I feel about being a podcaster or me as a listener of podcasts. Right. I guess both, you know, with okay. what's your favorite thing about, you know, hosting a podcast and listening to podcasts? Well, okay. So I'll start as the listener first and I'll mm-hmm. shift back to, to hosting. So I, what I find interesting and wonderful about the world of podcasting is that anyone can pop up a podcast and that, you know, really you could have this wild wild west feel to it because you could do anything you know like you can do anything you want and this whole thing that there's a there's a thought that every podcast that exists in order to be successful it has to be like magnanimous like it has to be a million listeners you know five million listeners worldwide which is great like i would love that and you know, I'm probably shooting for as many listeners as I can, but the truth is a lot of people in the podcasting world can find, I always say this word wrong, but everyone can find niches or niches, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so someone, you know, that is very hyper-targeted to a certain industry or a certain genre of art or music, they can attract that really super targeted audience that would never get a chance to have a show on a commercial radio station attract those people and then use the podcast as a vehicle to send them to the web to send them to social to send them to events that they coordinate you know so it, it's like everything's connected now and i think that podcasting is just part of this whole big form of i, I honestly believe podcasting is another form of social media really it is yeah in a way it is and and it's amazing i but i do feel th- there is a certain talent on guiding a podcast and almost like an art as well you know yeah. on, on the hosting part and which is which is great it just makes it even more interesting to me as an art if i think about it as an art form it's like then what are how can you improve and how can you you know, elegantly and gracefully move through them and what's your technique and is that changing over time and how do you, so it's, and the beauty of it also is that it's so free in the sense that, you know, I'm my, my the way that I create and that might not be yours or somebody else's. Right. And, and that is also interesting to me, the variety of forms. Yes. Yeah, so to answer yeah. your question on the hosting side. Yeah. I really enjoy the freedom of it right so conceptualizing shows and then coming up and putting them on and having the freedom to do what you want whereas for people that never worked in radio commercial radio you are very regimented like it's very structured what you have to do so like i can speak on behalf of top 40 radio like you know contemporary hit radio which is chr or top 40 and you're going to play about, even in the mornings, probably about at least nine songs an hour. And you're going to take commercial breaks at 10 past the hour, about probably like um, 25 and then 35 and 50, 50 minutes past the hour. If you have all those stops, the commercials filled. So you're pretty much packaging your information. You're mapping out your show and you really can't go too much over or else your hotline's going to ring. Your program director is going to be like, you went too long on that or you're running over, like you need to cut some songs or you need to 
cut some of your brakes out, you know? And so that mindset is still with me in podcasting where it's like, I know I have more freedom, but I still have all of the, and I will say there's a good part of that aspect of being trained how to broadcast and the two, you know, I'll never forget the three things that I was told early in my career was energy, brevity, and sincerity. Anytime you open up the microphone, have something to say or don't open it and always know when you're going to exit, like what's your exit ramp, you know, so don't just go all over the place because you'll lose people and people have no attention spans. So I do take that into my podcasts. I know I have the freedom to just babble forever, but at the same time, I, I know what I was taught to do and what worked as far as getting ratings to the same group of people, you know, people listening to an audio show. So I'm going to take that into podcasting as well. Uh, I think it shows, it shows when you are interviewing people and on your episodes that you have, you know, obviously you have a a lot of experience and background. Well, thank you. Yeah. I I think, you know, you, you do too, and you have your own style and I, I enjoy your show. And I think that podcasting opens up and also satellite radio, if it were successful, it opened up to where people could have more variety of shows. And I could picture you on satellite having a show, Life on Earth, you know, on one of the channels there. It's because mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think that your show is looser, but not sloppy. Do you get the difference? Yeah, yeah. I guess I understand what you're saying. Because even though it seems loose, there's actually an underlying theme. Exactly. Um, for sure like in my mind you know (laughs) yeah you could see that you you, it's laid back and but it's not to the point where you feel it's like okay where is this going i've had enough like because you'll 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 just know i don't know you know (laughs) yeah 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 and i think also you know people will gravitate towards certain people and then they'll gravitate towards other people and it will vary at some points in your life you'll do more of this and then of that like everything else too and i think that's cool as well you know that you'll find your tribe um just like you would in in the real world with people 101 you'll find your your podcast tribe and that might vary from one year to the next and then the same for us, the host will come into certain contacts and then another. And, you know, and that's also cool, the diversity and the variety that we all have a choice to navigate with our own individual freedoms, whether as a listener or as a host. I, like that's that. very key. I also think one of the most important things as someone that is on the radio, because I agree with you, I, it's my favorite medium. And it, to me, it's the most intimate medium. And I think that's why podcasting is really surging. The mm-hmm. audio medium is surging right now because people feel you can, first of all, you can multitask while you're listening. So you could drive, mm-hmm. you, could, you could commute, you could be on the subway, you could be reading, whatever. Oh, that's a great point. Yes. Yeah. So it's like one of the only mediums you could really do it, even, you know, over watching a video on YouTube or something. So really. Absolutely. You can go take a walk around the park here near my house and listen to a podcast while you're doing it. I love that. I right. That. So, so I think we need to remember as hosts and anyone who wants to podcast is that you are not talking at people. You're talking to people, first of all. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is be authentic, you know? And when I say be authentic, think about, you know, your, your show and, and what it's, what it's about. It, 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 when I say what it's about, like mm-hmm. overall, what your feel is, but, but be, you know, of course I, I'll get off 
of the air and I'll have a conversation with a friend and it might be about something else on a totally different feel, but whatever the feel is for your show, be authentic with, within that context, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. be your authentic self, because you can tell the first thing they teach you in radio is when you're a DJ, like to not have the DJ voice. So it's like, Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's Yeah, it's interesting. That's funny. Um, I, I love voices like impersonating different things and people. I think that's really funny. I'm going to, I'm going to actually work on that, Andrew. I'm going to work on creating like a really funny, obnoxious, like podcast voice. <laughs> I love it. It's for fun. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to I'm going to ask you something now shifting gears to something Yeah. Different. You posted a photo on Instagram recently of you and I thought that was very interesting of a before and an after. Yes. So which clearly showed me you have there's been a lot of transformation in your life and I think we even kind of touched on that about a week ago. Um, I would love to hear what you want to share with us about that story and that story, because I feel that story is super empowering and inspiring as well. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm an open book, so I'll try and keep it streamlined in a sense. Yeah. And just so everybody know, I want to learn more as well, because even though it sounds like I kind of know, I know, I know the surface of it, but I, we haven't dig into it together. So a lot of things happened all at once. And I was living on Long Island post-college. I went to college on Long Island, but I lived on campus because I thought it was important to get away from all of the people I was around in high school. Um, and that's another story. But when I went to college, it was just great to be and live on campus for those last two years to really be around the people that shared the same passion. I think that's important. Um, it really fueled me. But post-college, I ended up working for the station I interned at. And, but I, I was living at home. It's just crazy expensive to live on Long Island. So my dad had me when he was 43. And, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays that's like people. Normal. Yeah. But, you know, then. Back then. 1976. Mm-hmm. You know, you know right. it wasn't, it wasn't very normal. I was 35. And I was. Were you his first child? No, I was the no. last try for a girl. Okay. So I have three older brothers. Right. <laughs> and my three older brothers are very grouped closely together. And then like. Uh, seven years later, you have me, and and they. It's to the point where my mom even told me what my name my name would have been Allison, <laughs> you know, and my middle name's Wayne, and my my girl name would have been Wendy. So they were trying, <laughs> they were trying for a girl, you know. So I came out of the womb with disappointment, you know. <laughs> what are you gonna do, you know? So I went back and I lived at that time. You know, my dad retired from his career the year I graduated high school, so. When I came out of college and I was working at the radio station, they were living in a 55 and over community and that's where I was living with them. And my dad was very healthy, like really, like he didn't drink and didn't smoke. I've done a lot of both in my life and still do drink moderately, not as heavily as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, you know, the, the same man who I saw at 11 o'clock in the morning before I left for the radio station to work on my night show, which was, I guess, six to 10, he was washing the car and it was September 6, 2001. And I was driving to the station and I did my show. And right when I got in my car, my cell phone rang. And this is like, you know, the gray Motorola big, you know, mm-hmm. make your brain feel like it has radiation to the max in it, flip phones. Yeah. So it was analog, so I didn't know who was calling. So I answered the phone and it's like, hello? And he goes, Andrew, and it was my oldest brother. He's like, I think daddy's dead. 
uh-huh oh god yeah like you know <laughs> you don't expect to get a call like that and you don't you certainly don't forget so mm-hmm. it's, it's probably like eleven thirty at night now and i the station was like 40 minutes um from where we lived so i had to drive anyway but now i'm going to the hospital and i knew that my parents had gone out to a play and my dad liked to dance he he liked to um He's very active, and my mom's quite the opposite. She's very introverted. So my dad was dancing the aisles, my mom said, to play, and then they went to a diner afterwards, and my mom was driving, thank God. She said my dad snorted in the car, and she was like, you know, stop, like, you know, what's going on? And so she pulled into the parking lot and screamed for help, and someone there knew CPR, but long story short, by the time I got to the hospital, they already knew. They waited for all of us to get there. So what but was it? It was a massive heart attack. Okay, that's what I was thinking, just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. so, so okay. there was a lot of things going on. And he was quite young. Yeah, he was 68, and he, mm-hmm. was, in, he was in good shape, you know? So mm-hmm. there were a lot of things going on internally in his body that just weren't detected because we were part of um, HIP, which was one of the group HMOs. Basically, they just saw so many people. It just didn't feel very personal as far as healthcare at that time. The HMOs, I, I don't know how many of them still exist, but I didn't think they were great, even from my knowledge being younger. But my dad, they never gave him a stress test. They had like all these things they should have done for someone. I guess they just looked at him and said, oh, he's, he's in good shape. <laughs> it's like, you know, the patient's not going to know to ask. I mean, I guess now I would think because it happened. Well, but. no, I think to this day, it's still somewhat loose. You know, I think yeah. there's a lot of times that they don't catch things unfortunately. But yeah, I see that happening with uh, several things. It was such a mess that my brother was like, something's not right. Because my brother's friend was a doctor. And my brother's friend said, you need to look into this because this doesn't add up. This is coming from a doctor, another doctor. Mm -hmm. So my brother consulted a lawyer. And these are the type of lawyers that they don't take your case unless they know they're going to win. And they took the case and we won. And it was malpractice, you know, Mm because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. It was proven. So what did that that do to you? emotionally my dad passing was crazy to me because it was like he was there in the morning washing the car and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden i'm in the guest room at the hospital and they're bringing in his belongings and his clothes and it's like yeah there's my Mm -hmm. dad that's his that's what he was like i couldn't really process it i was 25 i think and Mm -hmm. i just remember it didn't hit me like i was in the state of everything surreal and i remember just writing his eulogy and preparing for it and I was dating a girl at the time and we went to Macy's uh that night that Saturday and I bought you know an outfit clothing for the funeral and we went to Blockbuster Video another relic and we got into an argument somehow all this crazy stuff I don't know the universe but her birthday was on the same day as my dad's funeral September 9th and I bought her perfume while I was at Macy's now I could barely even put it sentence I couldn't even think you know like my dad just it's like what's going on yeah. So I bought her perfume and while we were in Blockbuster video, we got into an argument and she says, you know, by the way, it's my birthday. And I know it's a tough time for you and all at your dad's funeral, but you only got me perfume. You could have got me something more personal. And I was like, fuck, I I don't want to curse, but I was like, F you. So Mm -hmm. we we had taken separate cars to Blockbuster. So I, I got so upset by that comment and basically said, you know, I'm going home. Don't follow me. Don't call me. Because I was like, that's just so insulting to me that I drove home. The next day, she showed up at the funeral, which is fine. She knew my father. It was okay. But after that, she would want to talk to me. And then September 11th happened. So now I'm laying in bed, and everyone's calling me to leave messages. 
you know, sympathies for my father. I can't answer the phone. I, I'm stuck in my bedroom. I don't want to come out to the people that are sitting shiva and everyone's at the house and it's September 10th, you know? But I'm just like, oh, this is horrible. And my girlfriend's trying to talk to me and I'm just like, I'm, I'm hibernating. And all of a sudden the next day, September 11th, 2001, my brother, like everyone was staying with, at my mom's house to be around my mom, you know? And my brother knocks at knocks on my door at like 8 30 he's like Andrew come out here I'm like what <laughs> he's like a plane hit the hit the World Trade Center I was like oh that's crazy so we sit down we're watching the live coverage and like about 30 minutes later 40 minutes later he's like now you got to remember live tv is on a seven second delay so the talking heads the anchors um on ABC 7 are talking at the time and my brother's like do you see that plane come like, yeah, there's a second freaking plane. Boom. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, they, they're like, another plane hit another tower. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what is the going world on? is ending or something. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, holy crap, this is crazy. So I was going to have the whole week off from my job from on the radio because of my father anyway. So my radio station, which played upbeat music, was feeding CNN through the radio they're feeding the news right so I come back to the radio a week later now my girlfriend has been trying my ex-girlfriend has been trying to get in touch with me all the time I'm not being responsive to her because I'm just like this is the last thing I need right now I don't the last feeling I have of her is not a good one and I can't process it I, I don't want it I don't need it and I was not as evolved at that time in terms of forgiveness and in terms of being able to handle that and process it so I get back to the radio station I figure it'd be, you know, good for me. So I got back to the station that Monday and my boss, who was young in terms of chronologically, he's probably like 27 at the time, but he, he had, he's a radio guy. He'd been in radio since he was 18. So he knew everything. And the first time I ever got this response from him, I went into his, his office because my show was going to be when they flip back to music. And I was like, damn, that sucks. That's going to be hard, you know? So I went to my boss and I went, what do I do? <laughs> like, how do I approach this, you know? And he looked at me and he goes, I don't know. And, and it's like, I, I still remember his eyes, like looking up at me and, and like, he lived and breathed radio. He didn't go to college. Like everything about his life was radio. And it was the first time I ever heard those words from his mouth regarding radio was, I don't know. And I got on the air and I was like, okay, well, we're an upbeat station. But yet at the same time, I can't be like super happy and energetic because that's not cool. But I can't be like, woe is me and I lost my father and 9-11 happened. Like I can't bum everyone out. We're switching back from news to music and talk. So Natalie, honestly, I don't know. It's one of those times where it's like, you ask me what I did and I say, I don't know, but it worked out. Like, I just remember explaining that my father died and that I'm also looking forward to speaking to people because we all need to talk to each other at this time. So call in, you know, and we just, I know it's tough for everybody right now. Because yeah. really, like, you drove around on Long Island, everyone had flags in their windows. Oh, and, yeah. You know, tough a time. So back to yeah. the photo, what, <laughs> yeah. what happened between, you know, that, those two drastically yes. transformational photos? Okay, so what happened was, my ex-girlfriend, because when she found out I just wouldn't talk to her anymore, she decided to, miraculously, she was majoring uh, in education, become a teacher. Well, the station that I interned at all through college and got my full-time job at, she decided that, now my, my whole work crew, they knew that she was my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. She decided to get an internship there. So one day I stroll into work and who is behind the reception desk? 
my ex-girlfriend who I wasn't talking to. And I was like, Hey, and then I walked back to where the, where the people on, on the air were. And miraculously she became my boss's producer about like a, a month later. And then she got her own show, her own full-time show. And then I got fired and I said, well, why am I getting fired? The ratings were like, honestly, they were the best they ever were in that time slot. They go, we're looking to change direction. I go, what direction? You know, <laughs> but that was it. You know, that was, it, it was lights mm-hmm. out. So I was depressed. I lost my job. I had so basically my- your whole life kind of turned upside down. Everything that meant anything to me was taken from me. So I lost my father. I lost this group of people who I thought were my friends. They were like my, I didn't join fraternity in college, but they were like my friends in college. All I did in college, I didn't go to parties. I didn't hang out. I I hung out with the radio people. We were always in clubs. Yeah. Your family. Yeah. So I couldn't believe this. And I lost my girl, you know, my ex-girlfriend who was really, I was close to her. And now Mm -hmm. everything is upside down. So I'm like, Wow, I'm hurting. It's one of those times in life that you really kind of come to your knees, right? We can call yeah, it the dark, yeah. dark night of the soul. So how did you, I'm interested <laughs> to find out the tools that you utilize to come out of this A, depression, um, you know, having the people that you trusted on betray you. And so how do you come back from that? Okay, good question. Uh, what are the, especially the tools so that you can share with our community of listeners, because we've all had times like that in our lives. So if somebody's going through that, what are the tools that have really worked for you? Okay, so first of all, I'm gonna share that the picture shows me about 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And I will say that, you know, during that time, I used food to emotionally appease me. And I smoked cigarettes heavily, and I drank a lot. And that's how I coped for a period of time, So. Okay? I mean, you were numbing, like a lot of people in the world, a lot of us have done, do, or will do. This is, again, very, very, you were, you were not pretty much, you were self-medicating and numbing. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. eventually, how I came out of it was, at first, I had found Taekwondo. And mm-hmm. the Taekwondo school I went to was run by a guy like, like, so we can major in phys ed here in the States. In South Korea, they can major in Taekwondo, which is not really that bizarre. Like when you parallel to that, we can major in phys ed, you know? So they major in Taekwondo and he became like a a champion, but it wasn't really just about how great he was at Taekwondo. It was that for the first time in my life, I had really like my dad, because he was so much older, he was a good guy and we played tennis and we did things together. But as far as wisdom being passed down, I got to know him more in the years that he retired for the last five years. But this guy, Mr. Kwok, who beautifully I got to talk to 15 years later, about two years ago, I took my wife to meet him. And I said, I want to thank you for how my life became because you saved it. And he goes, no, it was you. It was you. I was like, no, it was you. Because he, he's humble. But, I, you know, this, this guy, after my, I just, just to give you an example, I say he's from Korea because he, he really lived out the principles of, of Taekwondo and the culture that surrounded it. It wasn't just about kicking and punching. In fact, he, w- he would say that you use this for self-defense. And if you, if someone does attack you and you do put them down, run away. Don't mm-hmm. be like, it's not to sit there and beat somebody up, you know? So I was developing some physical confidence and also I was getting in good shape because it was rigorous. It was tough. But when my dad passed, he had met my father a week before my dad passed because they came with me to sign me up for Taekwondo. Now, when my dad passed, this beautiful bouquet of flowers arrived and it was from him. And I went up to him 
when I got my stuff together, I went back to Taekwondo and I went, why did you give my father flowers? Like you didn't know him. You met him once. And his answer, I'm not, I won't forget it. He goes, yeah, but I met him. And I was like, that's, that's who this person is. That's who this culture is. And yeah. so I immersed myself. Honestly, all the anger I had of the people in my head, I would hit the bag. Like I would, I would see their faces and kick the crap out of the bag. And, and I, I, I'm not, I'm just saying, you're asking me how I did it. Yeah. That was part of the anger process because I had a lot of anger and rage. Then I would take it out on the bag and it helped me get in good shape. And I didn't really feel like smoking cigarettes because I needed my stamina. So as the weight and my breath was starting to come back, you know, things started to change physically and mentally. I felt more confident and not like in the sense that, oh, I could kick so-and-so's butt. I could, like, I just felt grounded and centered. Now in the midst of taking Taekwondo during that time, he taught us meditation. I had never done that. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And at that point, someone directed me to a yoga studio close by my mom's because they thought that might be good for me too. So the yoga studio I went to turned out that it, it still is owned by this guy who I've never contacted. I should contact him. I don't know why I haven't, but, and him and his wife own it. And I was directed to that studio. It was close to my mom's and I had never taken a yoga class before. I went to the yoga studio and he, before they opened up the studio, he was a volunteer. Everyone on Long Island's a, a, a volunteer firefighter fireman in a city new york city they're paid they're full-time everyone went in on 9-11 volunteer or not so wow, that's beautiful right so him and his wife practiced yoga they were going to open up a yoga studio when both of them ret retired but after 9-11 they opened up the studio because the whole idea that life is short and anything can happen well that was real so they opened up a studio and that's where i started and i remember so all the bad things that happened they all ended up kind of connecting to lead me towards the good things like 9-11 like right. and my dad, like that was all bad. But then like, okay, I'm going to take yoga. And it's like the guy was there during 9-11. I'm asking him, how did you deal with that? And he's like, the yoga helped me. Think of Tom Hanks walking in Saving Private Ryan in the first 30 minutes of that film when mm -hmm. they're storming Normandy. And it's like in slow motion, you hear the bombs going off and people's arms are flying off their shoulders around him. And he's just looking yeah. to his left and his right, but he keeps walking. Like that's what he was describing 9-11 to me like in, in less detail. But he basically said it, 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 it helped him focus. And I was like, there's something to this that I need to be a part of. And I took, to be quite honest with you, for my first class, it was probably not the best class to take. And most people probably would have never went back to yoga, but I did. And the first class happened to be a Kundalini class. And the girl had us walking around marching hitting our Kriyas, like hitting our solar plexus going, ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. So now at this point, I'm so crazy out of my mind anyway, because my life is, I'm like, I'll do anything. I don't care. This is cool. But, but yeah. like, I was like, it is weird. You know, I was like, this is weird. But I did go back and it was just, I don't know. There was something to it that I knew was where I was supposed to be. And that's when I was able to center myself and stop being so angry. It's a constant evolution, a constant process on this path of yoga. But at that time, for me, the process was learning to focus on the things I can control, not what I can't. And, oh, wow. That's you know, a big one. You know, and, I, and, and that was a big one for me. And that's when I landed my, my next radio job. And at that time, you could not send, because I still wanted to do radio. I didn't want to leave radio. So mm -hmm. I sent out demos, CDs. And I go to post office every day and send them out with my resume because you couldn't send MP3s too big of a file with the internet at that time. 
And I got a call about three months later and it was from a radio station in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. <laughs> and it was from a guy named Don King, still friends with him. And it's not that, it wasn't a fake name or fake radio name, it was a real name. And he's not uh, an African-American boxing promoter with gray hair. It's like the one we know, Don King. So he's uh, like six foot three, white with red hair. And he was such a nurturing soul. And I tell him, I, I, I thank him so many times for this, that they flew me down to New, or to New Orleans about two and a half hours from Mississippi, from Hattiesburg. And I go from feeling like I'm nothing, you know? <laughs> so like everything around me represents all of the betrayal and, and everything that I lost to getting picked up in a limousine from Louis Armstrong to going to having fun with this guy who's the same age as me, but he happens to be the program director of the station. And I, I'll never forget this. He takes me into his boss's office, the, the operations manager. And the guy goes, why would someone like you from New York want to come down and take a job here in Mississippi. And I go, well, you'll never believe this. So I told my story and he goes, oh, I believe it. It happens all the time, this business. So I go, I love you. When can I start? <laughs> yeah. That led to a 10-year journey that healed my soul and made me feel alive. I was dead in every possible way, Natalie. Dead. Wow. And then the yoga really came in full force as well in your life. I mean, you end up having a yoga studio of your own. Yeah. So I stuck, I stuck with yoga. And one of the questions I get asked a lot, and it's going to be in reference to that picture as well, is how'd you lose the weight? How'd you keep it off? Was it because of the yoga? So my answer is very honest. And the answer is I stuck with yoga. Okay. But that's not exactly the whole reason why I lost the weight. Yoga is the reason why I kept it off. The reason I lost the weight was of course, yoga is good for the body. And it, you know, if you look at me in the picture, it looks like I'm round. And in yoga, you look long, you know, it makes your limb, you know, it makes you longer because it's expanding your fascia and all that good stuff. But I calorie counted. I, my brother lost weight and I was like, how are you doing that? He's like, I'm using a calorie counter, which is really the same thing that Weight Watchers does. Mm -hmm. I had never known about that. I always thought that you had to watch your fat intake. So I was like, okay, a box of pasta, one gram of fat, great. I'll eat a whole box of pasta. Well, I didn't know that that's all those calories. So I would get fat, you know, mm -hmm. but it was comforting because the, the, they, they use the analogy, you know, carbs are comforting, protein perks you up, like the P perks and the, mm -hmm. the C comps. So I found out how to calorie count. I used that. I learned how to eat very specific foods the weight flew off. And then I got deeper into yoga because now my body was in a place where as far as asana, I was okay, right? Now I'm digging deeper into the contemplative side and how to evolve more on my yoga journey to the point where I became an instructor and then eventually bought my studios. Yeah. Were you, can you tell us where your studios were? Yeah, they were in Charlotte, North Carolina. I started mm -hmm. out buying a studio. I taught at like one night a week for like two or three years. And then the owner said, I'm looking to sell it. I purchased a studio and I owned that for like a year and then I bought a second one. And the second one I bought from the ground up. So one was overtaken from an old owner and one was from the ground up, which totally different scenarios. Uh, yeah. I owned those for three years and uh, had enough after three years. So tell me, um, I'm, I'm very curious as to what made you decide to not want to have a yoga studio anymore and, and be super honest. I know we have oh. a lot of yoga people that listen to these, but I think uh, being a studio owner has its ups and downs and it can be very challenging. And sometimes if it seems in the yoga community and especially if you're doing teacher trainings, it's like, oh, that's maybe like what a lot of people want to do. But what are some of the realistic things about, you know, owning a yoga studio that popped up for you that made you perhaps be like, okay, 
I want to move forward into not having this in my life. Okay, so owning a yoga studio, of course, has a lot of pros. Like it's beautiful. Like I, I don't regret sure. doing. I don't regret doing. It was great. It was a time in my life, you know. Um, but it also comes with a lot of challenges. When you, you own a studio, you are now not just the teacher. You're the owner of the business side. You're the lead market. Like most studios do not have a budget for a big team. Okay. And right. I'm going to put myself in that category. So there are studios that can afford to hire staff. I did not have the ability to hire staff. So I did not have a front desk person. Like I was everything. I was the front desk person. I was the marketer. I was the teacher. That's most of my friends and most people I know, unless we're talking about, you know, the, the ones that are more big corporations. Mm-hmm. So I just want to preface that, you know, like, yeah, I think that- it's important to, to let people know that because yeah, most studios um, like myself and what you're speaking about, Andrew, is that the owner ends up doing a lot. Yeah. You know, so you clean, like you do everything, you know, and yeah. so it's okay. But what ends up happening is I added a lot of classes to schedule in the first studio and I was happy to do it. And I love teaching. It, it worked. It brought more people through the doors to the point where like, this drives me crazy. Like across the street, there was a corporate gym and I don't give a shit. Excuse me. I'm sorry. The, the, gym, the gym was called Anytime Fitness, you know, it's a, it's a big, I guess they franchise mm-hmm. out. And some of my students would go there to work out and the owner would say to them, why do you go there to practice yoga? Like, cause he, he would see at 6am that I actually had like 10 students and he'd be like, why are you, we have yoga. Why do you go there? And like, well, it's different, you know, like damn right. It's different. It's the only thing we do. <laughs> so, I, but it, yeah. fasc, it fascinated me that, that this person who has everything else at the gym, not just yoga, and it has the backing of a, of a big company and resources would go after the, 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 the small guy, you know, that just has right. studio. And I always was irritated by that. I love being successful right across, right across the street because a year later, we were doing very well. And he finally said, one of my students told me, we came with my good friends. She goes, yeah, so-and-so went up to me and said, uh, okay, I get it. Yeah, they do something different over there. I'm like, oh, thank you for the validation. You know, <laughs> Not that you really need it probably, but. <laughs> no, I mean, it's sarcastic, but. I know. <laughs> I was a newlywed and I never saw my wife. Never saw my wife because I was teaching all the time because I did hire a staff, but a lot of the times, you know, teachers in general are going to be 1099s, free agents. Mm-hmm. And uh, look. And for people that don't know what Andrew's talking about, it's an independent contractor. So basically you work for yourself. If someone's an employee, you have more responsibility as an employer to uphold certain standards. But at the same time, you can expect more from your employees. You, you really can't when someone's an independent contractor. So there's more freedom on both sides. You want to build a team. And some studio owners are great at doing it. And I know you are. I know you have a nice community. And I give kudos to everyone that does it well. Mm -hmm. And there are studios that are mom and pop studios that have been around and they make it happen. But yeah, it's definitely challenging. I struggle with it, you know, because I have this work ethic where when I was coming up after teacher training, Oh, you're going to let me teach? I'll drive 40 minutes to teach. Oh, you're going to let me mm-hmm. teach? I'll teach, you know? So I, got, right. like, so I was like, well, everyone should have that attitude, you know? So it was like, if someone didn't have that attitude, I was like, well, I don't want it. Like, screw you. Who yeah. do you think you are, you know? And that basically, <laughs> it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> when you're the leader of a team, you're going to have people come and go because some people can deal with someone like me, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in that role. And then some people are just like, no. Nah. 
you know. Like, so when so, you um, finally sold your studios, did you feel a huge release? Oh my God, Natalie, that was like December of this year, like December into January. That's when the podcast started really. Like it's the podcast started in December and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but all I know is, is that I feel so good. And then I said, okay, well I have the podcast. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but I'm going to go balls to the wall and be on fire for this podcast. And yeah. in about six months, I guess I kind of made some noise where I got some, you know, some notable guests on and I don't care. I'll talk to anybody. I don't care. Like to me, it's like, everyone's interesting. We all have a story, but somehow- it's amazing though. Like all the work that you have done. I think it's great. Well, thank you. You know, and I think that's, it's my background from radio. It's like this circuitous route, but my true passion is this. And the fact that I came into it through the back door unexpected, well, that's divine. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's, no, there's no mistake about it. And the fact that podcasting allows you to do it, if you know what you're doing from your home and from a laptop. And from there, I interviewed people who said, I have a podcast. Um, do you want to help me with production? So now I have a production company, which I have clients and uh, I edit and produce podcasts. And now I'm actually getting into video and it's like, this is what I do now. And it's yeah. just, it's freaking insane. Isn't it uh, so fascinating how it goes full circle? I can't believe it. Like, honestly, Natalie, like I just wake up yeah. and I'm think- always grateful. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's important to see that in your story, there are times in life that, you know, I think no one's life is completely linear, like from point A to B and that's it. And so there's going to be some detours and there's going to be some things that happen and some dark, uh, dark nights of the soul and whatever you call it. And then somehow we come back to ourselves and to, I keep saying this now, um, over and over in my studio, many workshops that I'm teaching to come back to yourself, like that most authentic self, the the self with a capital S that we call in yoga and, you know, to live the life that you are in alignment, the life that you, that, because no one else can, can live the life that's supposed to be your life. <laughs> that is you, you know, I, I really believe that we all have a highly individualized curriculum. Like one of my teachers says, while I, we are on this planet and that we are here to fulfill that. And so hope, my hope for everyone and everyone that's listening to this and see your story as an example. And so many others, mine also is that, um, just know that no matter what is going on, no matter all the detours and that you are divinely guided to come back to yourself and that when you do, you feel that you're in alignment. I I couldn't agree more with you, Natalie, but I also want to add to that from my perspective that there's times in your life and you can apply it to my own story where you're going to be playing defense and you're going to just be in survival mode, right? So if you're not a sports person, I, apo- <laughs> I apologize, but I, I like sports. Mm-hmm. So whether it's tennis, basketball, or hockey, or soccer, whatever, or, you know, football, the team's going to have to play defense sometimes because they're getting so much thrown at them that they just need to survive mm-hmm. for, until they can come back on the offense. And I yeah. think that, that, that goes with our lives too. So I think for a number of years, I was playing defense just to survive, right? So I could get back on solid footing and then map out my offensive plan. But take with me the lessons that I learned through playing defense and surviving. There's nothing that I regret and there's nothing that I don't look at that was valuable through 
all that time. It all happens for a reason. And it seems like a lot of the experiences and even the hardships that you had in your life um, all brought you to this bigger connection that it really encompasses everything that you're doing in art today. Isn't it crazy? In many ways, yeah. <laughs> when you are interviewing your guests, you have so much background and your own experience to, and to fall back through and understand that, you know, we are all through this humanness of everyone. You have this commonality that there exists, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this on, on when I did the episode for your show as well, the sadness and the happiness and the losses and, yeah. you know, the, and you have so much life experience, Andrew, that you have gone through authentically that I feel that reflects on your show when well, you are you. sitting with your guests, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah. I've always felt since I was a child, and I don't know if I ever shared this, but my dad and his brothers, they were orphans. Both of their parents were mentally ill. And he was raised in a, in a youth home. In, uh, it's called the Praia Judea. And it was mm -hmm. in, um, uh, gosh, it was in the Bronx at that time. The, so my dad, <laughs> my dad grew up as, as, a, you know, as an orphan, and he didn't know any different. But then he turned into this person who you know, married my mom, who's from a, a quote unquote, well, a nuclear family. Okay. And mm -hmm. I was raised by both of them, you know, in, in my dad went from this person who basically at age 18, they're like, okay, well you have to go now. And he went to my, I guess his uncle or aunt's house and kind of had to figure a lot of things out. He got his bachelor's at 40. He got his bachelor's in his forties, like while he was working full time, like, and he built his career. And I always felt like, geez, you know, like that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. You, you know, lot. and I always felt like I shouldn't take things for granted. Yeah. Because of him and, and like what he did. And, and I spoke, I made people, I didn't intend to do it, but everyone cried when I gave my eulogy at the funeral because I really, I guess I'm the most re introspective and reflective one in, in my family. Not that, not that my brothers aren't, but I just, my gift is words, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I really, from my heart, thought about my dad's life when I said, you know, here, here's someone that my, the truth is, is that my dad was a brilliant jazz trumpeter. He had a chance to become a professional trumpet player and travel, but he chose to marry my mom and not go on tour. And I don't think that even he would say that I owe him anything, but I kind of want to live and carry out his legacy that was cut short. Oh, I see what you're saying. And that's really beautiful. But you know, he did like, if you, that's a lot, what you just said and growing up, in uh, foster homes and is that what you that how he grew up or well, how oh, was it? okay it's really interesting so it wasn't a foster home thankfully he was lucky because the foster homes were terrible somebody from the home they wrote a book it's called an orphan has many parents and you can literally i have the book you can buy it it talks about the priorities the youth it was a youth home so the boys mm -hmm. were on one side the girls were on one side and they had counselors that would you know live in and rotate shifts but overall it was a seemingly healthy place to grow up in comparison to what they describe foster homes to be because some of the kids wrote about foster homes in the book that I read so mm -hmm. my, my dad didn't go through that thankfully at least he didn't go um, through that but still it's you know anytime you grow up without like your mother and your fuzz I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so many different realities on the planet there's so many different things like you said that we have to not take life for granted or where we are and always be thankful and know that 
if we're here right now, we're given this amazing opportunity to create I, each and every day something. I guess that's why I've always tried to be a voice for the people that can't speak up for themselves. Like, like mm -hmm. the people that are weak or, or the voiceless, I've always tried to fight for those people. Like if my friends were picking on someone, I wouldn't do it. And I would, yeah. I would stick up. Who is anyone to judge anyone else? And I'll always be the one to stick my neck out and speak up. That's how I'm wired. I can't be wired any other way. I'm, I'm wired like that too. I know um, you are. I also like I to be are. a voice for people who can't speak or any, any time. Um, I'm also like that. And, um, but, you know, it reminded me yesterday, I was watching this documentary on Marilyn Monroe, and she also grew up with, um, in, you know, without her parents and in foster homes, and her mom had this whole issue. So she, you know, she's been through a lot, too, even though she became that huge star, yeah. um, of course, but it, it just shows so many of us have so many different realities. It's so interesting. So yeah, just have gratitude for life today and um i think one thing that we can take from all of this is is just that there's going to be ups and downs but that you can come back to yourself like yeah. i said before. i think that's that's a really good life lesson to hear um i have to remind myself of that so i'm almost like talking to myself as well too because you know there's always going to be things in life that's going to hit us and then we have to find a way to you know, to transcend, to continue. Yeah, to, 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 yeah. Sit, to sit here and say that, yes, I consider myself more evolved than I was 20 years ago, right? But at the same time, to, 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 to look someone in the eye and say, yes, every day is utopian and every day I, I am uh, in samadhi, like, you know, come on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't feel like that. Maybe there are people that truly do feel like that and maybe one day, maybe I'll get there. I, but I can look, at you right now and tell you I'm not there because I can acknowledge that I can be knocked off kilter. But the thing is where I'm at right now in my process of the path is that I have awareness so that if I am triggered, I can be aware and press pause and pull myself back to balance to the middle ground. I think that's important. That's the first. Do you think it's the meditation that assisted you with that? The meditation, yoga. The yoga. Mm -hmm. Because yoga has a way of, um, we don't even know what's happening, I think, because we go into it through the asana in America and the West. And eventually what happens for me, and I know for a lot of people, is we find ourselves functioning from a more proactive place than a reactive place. So if in, we used to get in traffic and get upset, we find ourselves that like, all of a sudden the space between getting upset and honking the horn is now longer. And we were like, huh, whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, is it really worth it? Like that becomes bigger, that space of like pausing. There's no doubt that that's true. Um, yoga, yoga really connect, allows us to become more aware. Yeah. And when you are, you're capable of doing that, well, even what you just said, okay, somebody just hunked and I'm going to pause. It's that pause is that awareness that in between that then yeah. you can choose for yourself. What is your next step? I think that's so beautiful. You know, something that's so cool that that happens to yogis on and off the mat. To go in full circle back to how you asked me how I lost the weight or what happened during that time, that process of when I would emotionally eat and drink and smoke through the yoga, it would make me pause at midnight when I said, am I going to get a whole pizza right now? 
And I would pause and say, okay, well, the pleasure of eating it, yeah, that's cool. But tomorrow I'm going to wake up and feel miserable. I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to think horrible. So nah, I'm going to go to bed without it. Like that starts happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> pure <that's> awareness. It's <laughs> it. like, that's so, you, you know, it's like pure awareness and, but it sounds so simple and yet is not, you know, so many people don't, don't have that capability. And even uh, us quote unquote yogis, we, we don't have that a hundred percent of the time, you know, no. but like you said, it's uh it does, it does give you that tool. It does allow you to become, to realize things a lot more. Which brings me, I have a, a, one of our last questions here for you. In the yoga world, you've interviewed so many people. What is your, from your perspective, what's going on right now with <laughs> yoga growing? Like, so, you know, it's getting so big and there's so many different angles to come at it. Um, just <laughs> anything that you have noticed from interviewing your guests from your show or your opinion perspective? Okay. Anything you'd like to share on sure. that? Sure, absolutely. In general, I think that, Many uh, people that pra- that teach yoga are good intentioned and they're great teachers. And there's so many different styles and teachers to connect with. It's a be- Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, okay, so, start again with the yoga. There's a wide range of styles and philosophies and teachers. I think that you need to find your lane and what connects with you and try to do that without judgment. You know, so I, I think the whole my yoga is better than your yoga thing is, is crazy because that's not yoga. Um, right. So, oh, yeah. I, I full on agree. hundred <laughs> percent. The only person who I'll say is not yoga and I'll point the finger at is Bikram because he did deplorable things as a human being. But that also leaves the yoga studio, you know, for someone to sit there and to yell curse words at their students and t- to say, you know, Look at your belly, you fat mother. You know, I've heard horrible things from this person. And it, it's, it's out there on YouTube. You can listen. Oh, really? Wow. But other than that, I don't care. If it's laughing yoga and people are pointing at each other laughing and it works for people, it makes them feel better. Who cares? Yeah, I've always found it really interesting um, when people are pointing fingers at each other in the yoga world. I guess I realized even very young, um, when I was very young and I was starting to practice yoga, that I saw yoga as this huge umbrella of, um, you know, this vast world or philosophy, lifestyle, yogis of all shapes and kinds and forms. And, and uh, yeah, I've always, I've always seen, you know, perceived yoga as um, an art form of diversity and variety. And yeah, I agree with you. I think whatever it is that, you know, whatever it feels right to you, like I would say that about most things in life. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think it's interesting when people are pointing fingers at each other. I think it makes no sense, especially something as yoga that's supposed to be, again, an inclusive, not exclusive practice and a practice of, of love, really, in peace. Yeah, and I think you just need yeah. to find, if you do choose to practice at a studio setting, you need to find a studio that's right for you. And, and that makes, it may take a couple of tries, but don't get, don't, you know what I think, Natalie, is, is crucial, mm-hmm. especially your studio owner, that someone that might come to your studio for the first time, that might be their first experience of yoga, and they're going to think for the good, I'm sure it's good at your studio, but you might go to a studio and have a bad experience in your first yoga class ever, and you're mm-hmm. going to leave 
and never take yoga again and think that that one class, that one teacher, that one studio, that that represents all of yoga. And that's a shame if that happens. Well, and not every style is for everybody. Thank God. So this is why it's such a great thing that there's so many different styles out there. Not every teacher is your teacher. And I think it's an exploration. I think that Yes, if you go to a student that's not a good fit for you, go, you know, test others. And also another thing that's really important to remember is that it's going to change. Um, It might, it's not necessarily going to change, but it might change. It might be that in, you know, five years from now or 10 or whenever you are going to a different place or a different art form or a different um, style of yoga even. So I have seen that with so many people. So I think it's important to stay open to the process, which really the process of transformation, you know, because just, again, we're just gonna, every day we wake up and we live and we want this beautiful life. We hope for the best. And I say, start your day in gratitude and then, you know, just uh, do the best you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. <laughs> I think that's a quote from Maya Angelou. So well, I anyway, love it. yeah, great, thank great, you. Great, great woman, great quote. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining us today at Laugh on Earth podcast. You've shared a lot of jewels and a lot of your life experience that we can all uh, relate and connect to. And, and I would love to ask you if anyone wants to get a hold of you, would you share your social media with us? Sure. So to connect with the podcast, we're very active on Instagram. So it's just at Yoga Talk Pod. And then hopefully listeners can tune into your podcast as well to find yeah. valuable, especially for yogis and everyone, really. Yeah. And you can find that on all the usual podcast platforms, iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and whatever. It's on all the platforms. So just. It's an all. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, let's, yes, we are staying in touch and thank you so much for joining Life on Earth podcast. And I wish you a wonderful evening. You too. And let's all continue with this uh, path of peace, love and transformation because there's a lot more yet to come. Oh, namaste. (laughs) Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you, Natalie. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as promised, I will leave you with this amazing song by Adam James. I hope you enjoy. I wanted to share with you, we started a, a newsletter every Friday. It's called Friday Highlights. In that letter, I share anything that I am um that I am enjoying in my life, new products, new experiences, or just interviews with some of our community members. We will also feature some of the listeners at some point. We have started featuring some of the teachers at the Shala, as well as our some of our team members. And so you'll find interviews, you'll find our favorite things, favorite uh, experiences, anything really that we like to share with you, including online stuff, including uh, parties or events and places to go to travel and so much more so i encourage you to sign up for our friday highlight and all you need to do is subscribe to the show you can also send me your email and i will include that on the show notes more information on that and as always please subscribe and give us a nice review on itunes wherever you are on planet earth have an amazing day Ciao, ciao. Bye.
Don't you pretend you're shy No, you're not that kind Seen you fly so high so many times You flew right in so fast Was hoping it would last Who's to say when you're coming back again You speak so softly to me Don't need no words to woo me Molding on so tight The world with always mine But you don't play that way Do you, darling? Say it's all a game Teach me to play your way Teach me to play your way Teach me to play your way Your love keeps moving me It keeps on moving me Keeps on moving along Your love keeps moving me It keeps on moving me Keeps on moving along You got that beauty and grace Ain't no mistake in your ways It's from a higher place It's raining down on me Songs inside your soul They touch me at my core And I want more and more and more and more I feel I've lifted now Something has shifted now So let's go on our way To that higher place Or to that higher place Where I can see your face Or take me higher now Lord, take me higher now Take me to that place Or I can see your face Take me higher now, Lord Take me higher now Your love keeps moving me It keeps on moving me Keeps on moving to love Your love keeps moving me It keeps on moving me Keeps on moving to love Oh, oh, oh Your love keeps moving me, it keeps on moving me, keeps on moving along. Your love keeps moving me, it keeps on moving me, keeps on moving along. Whoa.